So we've been going through God's word here, Second Chronicles. Make your way there, Second Chronicles 34. And uh, we took a break last week because we had a guest speaker out here last week, Dr. Andy McIntosh had a great service with him going through this account of, of creation and, and seeing how it all fits in with God's word. Great day. So we've had a couple of weeks away. So that just bring it up to speed a little bit where we're at in Second Chronicles. So where we left off two weeks ago, we left off with Josiah, king of Judah, eight years old when he becomes king. And it tells us eight, the eighth year into his reign... It says that when he was 16 years old, basically, when the Bible says when he was young, he sought the Lord. All right. While he was still young, he began to seek the God of his father, David. And in the 12th year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem, the high places, the wooden images, the carved images and the molded images. So that's the state of Judah when Josiah takes it over as king. The place is just a mess. All right. People have been getting far away from God and from his word. They've been following after idols. They've been bringing in just a lot of pollution into the land. But I love that when Josiah was still young. It's not good to know that here's a young man, 16 years old. It says he just begins to seek the Lord. He's not looking at well, I've got a lot of time in my life still where I can get serious with the Lord, where I can take care of these things. No, he says, I want to get on track with the Lord right now. He's not looking at kind of going ahead and just living wildly while he can. He's like, you know what? There's nothing better I could do than just to seek the Lord and to follow the Lord. And understand that here. You know, many of you young people perhaps you know, are sitting here going, you know what, maybe there's time down the road where I can get right and serious with the Lord. And I just ask, what are you waiting for? Why would you not do it now? Because here's the thing, there's nothing greater that you could find yourself doing than living all out, full-blown, wholeheartedly for the Lord. Seek the Lord, even while you're young. Don't wait and think, oh, there'll be time later. I want to just kind of sow my wild oats right now or just get involved with whatever I can right now. No, none of that profits. There's no greater blessing and joy than living for the Lord and according to his word. And so if we're going to do that, then we got to be sure that we're getting into God's word and that we're knowing what God has for us in our lives. And this is where we pick it up with Josiah, because as Josiah is seeking the Lord and he's seeing the junk that's going on, he begins to clean house. They're going into the temple and under Manasseh's reign, there was just a lot of stuff that was brought into the temple, idolatry and, and things like that. So Josiah is cleaning all this stuff out now. And as they're in there, Hilkiah the priest discovers the book of the law in the temple. They, they kind of misplaced it. It had been hidden. We're not sure what's going on. But all of a sudden they come across the book of the law. And Hilkiah has somebody bring the book of the law to Josiah and Josiah begins to look into it. And he's just cut to the, he's just cut to the core here. He begins to realize as he gets in contact with God's word, how far away they have really gone from God's truth. From walking, walking in alignment with what God has for them, which is going to lead a blessing. So Josiah now, being a man of God, isn't sitting here thinking, okay, I'm going to really get my life right now. He's not keeping this all for himself. He's going, I want to bring everybody together so we can all corporately as a nation get on track with God's word. And that's where we pick it up here in chapter 34, verse 29. So turn there with me. Second Chronicles 34, verse 29. Here's what we read there. Then the king sent and gathered all the others of Judah and Jerusalem. The king went up to the house of the Lord 
with all the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the priests and the Levites and all the people, great and small. And he read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant, which had been found in the house of the Lord. So this is so good. He brings everyone together. And I love just even the direction there in verse 30. The words that we read where it says, so the king went up to the house of the Lord. Now, I think, and and this is great, I, I know I'm reading more into it than I need to, but I do believe that as we seek the Lord, as we gather together as the church as we do today, it's going to be an uplifting experience. It's going to be an ascent in your life. Yes, I understand that the temple is in Jerusalem. It's built upon Mount Moriah there. And it's this great hilltop range so that wherever you go, whatever direction you're coming from, you're going up to Jerusalem. This is how the Jews always sought. They would have the Psalms of Ascent because it was always to be an ascending journey, an upward journey as you go and seek the Lord. And I think for us today... I mean, there are so many things that can bog us down. There are so many things that we can find ourselves getting discouraged by, getting depressed about. But can I just say, man, when you're feeling feeling those things, seek the Lord. Because you're going to find yourself being lifted up as you do. Seek the Lord. There's nothing greater that you can find yourself doing than gathering together in just that corporate praise of the Lord. Because when we are in those kind of downward spirals when we're really getting bogged down discouraged what we tend to do and what the enemy will want to come in and try to encourage you to do is to isolate let's get away let's i I can't i can't go to church in this condition i can't be around other people feeling like this and we think we got to get everything together we got to get our act cleaned up if we're going to be with god's people but let me just say when you are feeling down and discouraged the place you need to be at the house of God, with the people of God, worshiping the good God that we serve. Because it is going to be an uplifting, encouraging time as you allow God to minister in your heart and in your life. And that's what we see happening here. Man, they're going through all these things, but they're making their way up to the house of the Lord. I love that. And they're coming. And Josiah now, he just begins to read all the words of the book of the covenant. Josiah knew how important these words were even to his own life and how much they affected him. And now he's just simply wanting to share them with others. I mean, when that word was read to Josiah, he just like rends his, he just tears his clothes. It's a sign of grief. He's realizing how far he has gone from God's word, how far the nation has gone from God's word. He allowed the word of God to personally affect him. And now what is he doing? He wants to pass it on and share that with other people, right? Are you allowing the word of God to enter into your life and personally affect you? And to affect you in a way where you can have an impact on other people. Because Josiah is doing just that. We can't pass on others, but we ourselves haven't received. And so Josiah is taking in, but he's also now bringing people together so he can pass that on. He doesn't just pick and choose the nice things, right? He's not just working through the law saying, all right, let's read all the positive things. Let's just focus on the positive things. Let's focus just on the promises and the blessings. He's not just picking and choosing the nice things. He's going through all the words it says, every single word. In fact, we read in 2 Timothy 3.16 that all scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. All of God's word is useful, profitable. It's the key for, the, for our growth. 
And yeah, there'll be times where it, it hits us hard and it brings conviction, but it's meant to get us again back on track, instruct us and encourage us and to feed us. And that's why I love, you know, just having the opportunity to go through God's word and, and, and go through Genesis to Revelation, all of God's word. Uh, uh, that's the very, you know, philosophy of ministry here at Calvary Chapel is teaching through God's word, verse by verse, chapter to chapter. So we can get all of God's word, the whole counsel of God's word and, and take everything in context. And I'll tell you how much it's impacted my life, how much it's just brought... It, it's brought just growth and, and, and maturity to my life. Many of you are going, I haven't seen that yet, but it's there. If you saw me how I was before, you would know what a difference it's made. But just over the years, growing up in church, but yet never really seeing the word of God taught. And now just being a part of a church that can teach through God's word how important it is. And so here's Josiah going through all of God's word. Look at verse 31. It says there, then the king stood in his place and made a covenant before the Lord to follow the Lord and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all his heart and all his soul to perform the words of the covenant that were written in this book. And he made all who were present in Jerusalem and Benjamin take a stand. So the inhabitants of Jerusalem did according to the covenant of God, the God of their fathers. Verse 33, thus Josiah removed all the abominations from all the country that belonged to the children of Israel and made all who were present in Israel diligently serve the Lord their God. All his days they did not depart from following the Lord God of their fathers. So here we see Josiah. He's just bringing about a great change. And he's seeing this really coming about stemming from being triggered through, again, the word of God. And he's knowing that it's the word of God that's really going to aid them, bring them bring them life, right? That's gonna get them back on the right path. Hebrews 4.12 says that the word of God is living and powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and a joints and marrow, and it's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So Josiah knows, man, if we're gonna get on track with the Lord, we gotta make sure that we're getting the word of God in, all right? He's reading all of it, and he knows that this is what's going to bring life. It's powerful. It's, it's active. It's going out. It's going to do its work. See, Josiah's not just kind of going through the motions of repentance and humility. He's now bringing everybody together, making a covenant, taking a stand. He says, we're all doing this, guys. We're going to come together. We're going to take a stand now upon God's word that we might live it out, follow it, obey it, and put it into practice. And that's really the key, isn't it? That we're not just hearing, but that we're doing, we're putting it into practice. That's what Jesus was, was saying when he gave that parable of the, the wise and the foolish builder. The wise builder was the one that heard the word and did it. When storms came, man, his house stood solid, right? He heard the word. It was like, like the, the wise man. I, I didn't give you the whole context there, sorry. But you know, you know the story. The wise man building his house upon the rock. He's like into the guy hearing the word and doing it. But then he goes on to say, the foolish man built his house on the sand. Storms came, blew it. He's like, it says, everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them, it's going to be like the foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. So a lot of people just, they hear, you know, hearing the word. But Jesus says, it's the one that hears the word and does it. James, the book of James tells us to be, not just hears the word, but doers also of it. 
That's the real key for us. And so Josiah is bringing people together, taking a stand. They're taking action. This is not just kind of some, you know, inner, well, let's just reflect upon what we've done. And, and just, no, like, let's put this into practice now. The things that we're hearing, things that we're receiving, let's live it out now. And he does just that, leading the nation into being doers of God's word. And it began by cleaning house, right? Removing all the abominations from across the land. This is an incredible, you know, uh, just an incredible work that's taking place here. Verse 33 just simply tells us that they went out, you know, they removed all the abominations. Second Kings, in the parallel account of the Second Kings chapter 20, uh, sorry, yeah, chapter 23, verse 4 to 20, 16 verses, goes through a much greater detail what verse 33 simply says, they removed all the abominations. But in that account, 2 Kings 23, we really begin to fill it all in and see exactly what's going on. We see them taking action in carrying out God's word, cleaning up the land. It all started by just being confronted with God's word. I wonder how often do we allow things into our own lives that bring about perhaps pollution, Brings about a little bit of decay. Things that we've kind of hidden in. Because understand, through previous kings and, and what was going on in the nation before, they were doing things, oftentimes things in secret. But Josiah is now starting to see, as he gets in contact with the word, all the things that are out of place. That are not of the Lord. And I wonder, how often do we allow that to go on in our own lives, in our own heart? And again, the importance for us to be in daily contact with the word of God. And allowing the word of God just to come and wash us clean. In fact, there's a great promise for us in Psalm 119 that says, How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. Again, it doesn't say by hearing the word, but taking heed. Putting it into practice. Living it out. We're not going to know what to live out unless we're in God's word. Jesus himself said to his disciples, Listen, you're already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. So there's a great cleansing agent that comes through the word of God. These people have been in contact with God's word and they're cleaning up the land. Oh, may we do the same in our own lives on a personal level. Go, Lord, is there anything in my heart that is not of you? Show me. And the more that we're in God's word, the more that those things begin to get revealed to us, that it might cleanse us. Now, as we go through chapter 35, we're going to see that the Passover feast has largely been forgotten forsaken it's been neglected this was an important feast for the nation of israel it marked a very pivotal uh, pivotal moment in their history all right and and so the people were to commemorate this great event the passover annually once a year by this great feast but the people haven't been doing so and josiah again as he gets in contact with the word starts to see how far off they've gotten from what god has instructed them to do So look at chapter 35, verse 1. Here's what it says. Now Josiah kept a Passover to the Lord in Jerusalem, and they slaughtered the Passover lambs on the 14th day of the first month. So like I said, Passover, super significant event in the history of Israel. It commemorated God's deliverance of his people out of Egypt. Now Egypt becomes a picture of the world, all right? And the people in Israel, they're living in Egypt, but they're in slavery. They're in bondage. They're not having a good time there, all right? God desired to deliver them out from that. And so Passover, God gives them instruction. He says, you're to take 
uh, a lamb into your house on the 10th day of that month. On the 14th day of that month, you're to sacrifice the lamb, take the blood of that lamb, and you're to apply it to the doorpost of your home. Those that have done so, when that death angel passes over your homes, if he sees the blood upon the doorpost, he's going he's gonna to pass over. He's not going to take your firstborn. He's going to spare your firstborn. That was that 10th plague that would eventually cause Pharaoh to cause the people of Israel to go out of the land. So this is the work that God was doing there. And this is what they were to commemorate, how God delivered them out of Egypt. Now, ultimately, this would all point to the work that Jesus would do for us. When was Jesus crucified? He was crucified on Passover. John the Baptist, right in the beginning of Jesus' ministry, would call out, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians, I believe it is, that, that Jesus is our Passover. He's the one that stepped in our place. He's the one that gave up his life as a sacrifice that we could be spared and delivered from our sin. That we could be delivered from the bondage of this world, you see. But, just like Israel needed to do, they need to apply the blood. And we too need to apply the blood. Now that sounds very weird. Don't, you know, don't go up to people if you're witnessing to people and say, have you applied the blood of Jesus today? Because they're going to look at you and go, that is crazy, man. That's weird. I'm calling the police on you, right? That's freaking me out right now. The blood, what is that all about? That sounds very odd. But what that implies is that you recognize that Jesus died on a cross for you. And, and in uh, applying the blood, it's simply meaning that we're recognizing our own sin and that we were, because of our sin, separated from God and we needed one to step in and, and pay that price for us, the price that we couldn't pay ourselves, right? Sin, you see, brings death. We're going to talk about that in a, in a second here. But this is a work that Jesus did for us that we couldn't do for ourselves. It's acknowledging that you need his salvation, his forgiveness, his work done on a cross for you. It's putting your trust in him to be saved. And so... This is something they were to remember annually. In fact, God made this celebration, this Passover feast, to be kind of like their new year. It says in Exodus 12, verse 2, this month, God says, this month shall be your beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. So this was to be something that wasn't to be forgotten easily. It's like the beginning of the new year for them. We don't go through, you know, Christmas and have New Year just pass us by and be like, what happened? Did I miss New Year's Eve? No, you, like, you know, New Year's Eve, you're getting ready for it. It's a new year. I mean, it, you don't miss out on that. You, you know what's going on. This shouldn't have been something that they had neglected. This is to be like their new year. How about us? Have we neglected to give thanks to God for what he's done for us? Now, listen, do you ever go through times where you just kind of get into this big pity party and think like how tough life is and begin to wonder god where are you how come you're not helping me how come you're not doing anything and do we ever begin to question god when we find that life isn't going the way we would hope it to go but here's the, the reality every day we have reason opportunity to give thanks to god because you have to understand something god has done the greatest thing for you already in giving you his son jesus christ to die on a cross to take your place to bring life to you just as this was to be their new year of sorts 
we've been given a new start through Jesus Christ. We've been given new life. We have hope today now because of what Jesus has done for us. So listen. Yeah, you might go through hard times. We understand that. Life can be tough. I'm not trying to, you know, just sugarcoat it here. But we also have to realize, God, you've done the greatest thing for me. You saved me. You spared me. I have a future and a hope today now. I have the hope of heaven. This life is temporary. So regardless of what goes on from this point on, I can rest in the fact that you have already saved me. Now, we do know that God is always at work. And that God works all things for the good to those that love him and are called according to his purposes. We, we understand that. We know that. So we take comfort that whatever we're going through, God's going to be with us. He's never going to leave us nor forsake us. But I'm not sitting here having to say, God, why aren't you doing this? How come you're not moving in this way? Where are you, God? I can rest in the fact that God's already done it all for me. He saved me. I'm his. I'm a child of God. I'm in the family of God. There's great blessing in that. And we need to rejoice. We need to give thanks for what he's done for us. Well, let's continue on here. Verse 2. It says this. And he, he set the priests in their duties and encouraged them for the service of the house of the Lord. Then he said to the Levites, who taught all Israel who were holy to the Lord, put the holy ark in the house which Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, built. It shall no longer be a burden on your shoulders. Now serve the Lord your God and his people Israel. Prepare yourselves according to your father's houses, according to your divisions, following the written instruction of David, king of Israel, and the written instruction of Solomon, his son. And stand in the holy place according to the divisions of the father's houses of your brethren, the lay people, and according to the division of the father's house of the Levites. So... Slaughter the Passover offerings. Consecrate yourselves and prepare them for your brethren that they may do according to the word of the Lord by the hand of Moses. So Josiah begins to bring everybody back into place of their service in the temple now. Remember there were the, the 24 divisions of the, of the Levites, all right? And they were to serve a two-week period of the year in the temple. The rest of the time, they'd be back at their, their home and ministering in their communities there. So he's bringing everybody back together. But notice there's something there in, in verse 3 that the Ark of the Covenant wasn't where it should be. It's supposed to be in the Holy of Holies in the temple. But it's not there. He's, he's getting instruction or giving instruction for the people to return it. So the question is, where's it been? How come it's not where it should be? Now, many believe that most likely under Manasseh's reign, the, a very evil, wicked king that was bringing in all this idolatry and pollution in the temple, that the priests had had the Ark of the Covenant taken out, removed, just for safety, basically. And they've been carrying it around. And, and Josiah says, listen, it's not to be a burden on your shoulders any longer. You know, that's the way it is to be as we serve the Lord. It, it's not to be a burden. Sometimes we think, oh man, you know what? If I really give my life to the Lord, He's going to have me do stuff that's just not going to be fun. It's going to be a burden. But let me just say, and, and, and God's Word says as much that his laws, commandments are not burdensome. They're not to be heavy upon you. It's when we get away from the Lord, as Manasseh was doing, as the people were experiencing, as they got off track from what God had for them, then it became a burden. But serving the Lord should never be that way. In fact, serving the Lord should be just a blessing and a joy for us. Getting on track with what God has for us and carrying out his word is what's going to ensure 
us not being in a burdensome place, but in a place of, of, of blessing here. Well, continuing on now, we see everything coming into place. Verse 7 says this, Then Josiah gave the lay people lambs and young goats from the flock, all for Passover offerings, for all who were present to the number of 30,000 as well as 3,000 cattle. There were, uh, these were from the king's possessions. And his leaders gave willingly to the people, to the priests and to the Levites, Hilkiah, Zechariah, and Jehiel, rulers of the house of God, gave to the priests for the Passover offerings, 2,600 from the flock and 300 cattle. Also, Conaniah, his brothers, Shemaiah, and Nethanel, and Hashabiah, and Jael, and Josabad, chief of the Levites, gave to the Levites for Passover offerings, 5,000 from the flock and 500 cattle. Verse 11, or sorry, verse 10. So the service was prepared, And the priests stood in their places and the Levites in their divisions according to the king's command. And they slaughtered the Passover offerings and the priests sprinkled the blood with their hands while the Levites skinned the animals. If there's anybody linked with PETA, this is a passage you're not enjoying right now, right? Any animal lovers here, you're kind of going, oh man, you're killing me right now, Pastor Brian, this is tough. All right, and and it is, I understand that, all right? But, But check this out here, okay? What we're seeing here, very interestingly, Josiah, first of all, steps up. And he's giving of his own livestock. And then the leaders are also seeing this. And they're giving, they're all coming together. Nobody's sitting back going, you know what? You guys need to do this. You guys need to bring in. Josiah is setting the tone here. He's the king. He's not saying, okay, servants, you guys go ahead and do He's the one First of all, bringing in this great number of livestock and all the leaders are doing so. Everybody's required to come in and do this. They're all taking part in this. So the service now is prepared for Passover. And as we saw in verse 7, they begin to slaughter this great number of animals. Somebody sent me the number. I was asking about that in the first service. Like, I didn't add it all up. There was a lot of them, but there's thousands of animals now that's being slaughtered and the blood being sprinkled there. The blood, um, you know, sprinkle the blood with their hands there uh, upon the altar. This is a, a great scene going on. It's a, it's a bloody scene. There's a lot of animals, a lot of blood, a lot of carnage. But it's important for us to see why that's all happening. Because as you read to that, there are people that will go, oh man, this is so brutal, so bloody. Why does it have to be this way? Because again, listen, as we reflect on the Passover, the, the deliverance of God's people out of slavery and bondage from Egypt, we have to recognize what God needed to do to accomplish that. Again, blood needed to be applied. And the equivalent of all this, I think for the church, is seen in communion, right? It, it's seen in, in what Jesus has done for us. We understand that sin is messy. Nothing good ever comes from sin. It's very costly. Those of you that may have tried to go, you know what? I know what I'm about to do is not good. It's not of the Lord. It's sin. But I, I think there just might be some benefits that come from this. Those of you that are try- have tried that, you will recognize there's no good that comes from sin. In fact, the Bible says that the wages of sin or the cost of sin is what? death that's what comes from sin no good comes from sin no fruit no life comes from sin but rather death comes from sin 
It's a death that we deserve. And this is why Passover is so important. Because as this Passover was pointing to, as we commemorate a communion, Jesus has become that Passover for us. He died this death for us, the death that we deserve. He paid the price. He made the sacrifice so that we could be free. Sacrifice needed to come. God set that present right from the very beginning. Remember Adam and Eve sinned. And what did they do? They tried to cover themselves. They grabbed fig leaves. Fig leaves that would be very prickly, uncomfortable. Putting it over parts that you don't want to have prickly things on. And it's not going to be comfortable when we try to do the work ourselves. When we try to clothe ourselves, it's not going to get any better. What does God do? He clothes them with animal skins. Where did he get those from? From a sacrifice. A sacrifice. And this becomes very paramount, very, very important because as we've been going through on Wednesdays, the book through a, a, the book, uh, Genesis to Revelation, the whole Bible at a rapid rate, a flyover of sorts, this past Wednesday we were in Leviticus. Leviticus. Everybody's favorite book, right? Great book. But we had a great time in it because, again, we're recognizing and seeing the purpose of all these sacrifices that need to come. Because God is a holy God, right? And he's giving the people instruction how you can come and approach a holy God. It's going to be through a sacrifice. It's going to be through an offering. An offering is going to provide cleansing. Because Leviticus 17 goes on to say that the life is in the blood. Hebrews says, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission or forgiveness of sin. Blood is required. An atonement is required, a covering. Now in the Old Testament, that just came through sacrifices. It was important because the life was in the blood. But Jesus came to be a once for all sacrifice for us. And that's what we celebrate at communion, which we're going to do in a little while here. Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me. Remember that you're not saved by what you do. It's not by earning it. It's not by trying to clothe yourself in good works. It just leaves you more uncomfortable. You don't get there. You don't get where God wants you to be. She says, do this remembrance to me because I've provided it for you. I've given you the forgiveness of sin. I've paid the price for you. Do this in remembrance of me. I've taken care of your sins. If you would put your trust in his work done at Calvary on the cross for you. He's done it. He became that once for all sacrifice for us. Tells us in the book of Hebrews chapter 10 verse 1. For the law, having a shadow of the good things to come and not the very image of the things, can never with these same sacrifices, which they offer continually year by year, make those who approach perfect. Goes on to say in verse 10 of that chapter. By that will, we've been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. That's again what the book of Leviticus is all about. These sacrifices can never make you perfect. You had to keep doing it. But Jesus has sanctified us, meaning he set us apart, made us holy. He's cleansed us by his once for all sacrifice. And we're going to be remembering that, thanking him for it as we partake of communion later on here. Let's continue on and finish up this chapter, verse 12. It says this, 
Then they removed the burnt offerings that they might give them to the divisions of the father's houses of the lay people to offer to the Lord as it is written in the book of Moses. And so they did with the cattle. Also, they roasted the Passover offerings with fire according to the ordinance. But the other holy offerings, they boiled in pots and cauldrons and pans and divided them quickly among all the lay people. Then afterward, they prepared portions for themselves and for the priests because the priests, the sons of Aaron, were busy in offering burnt offerings and fat until night. Therefore, the Levites prepared prepared portions for themselves and for the priests, the sons of Aaron. Verse 15. And the singers, the sons of Asaph, were in their places according to the command of David, Asaph, Heman, and Jeduth, and the king's seer. Also the gatekeepers were at each gate. They did not have to leave their position because their brethren, the Levites, prepared portions for them. So all the service of the Lord was prepared the same day to keep the Passover and to offer burnt offerings on the altar of the Lord according to the command of King Josiah. So check this out here. We see everybody serving, having their part. But look at they're all being provided for. Portions are being given. Portions from the sacrifices coming in. They're just having a big old holy barbecue there outside the temple. And portions are being given to all those that are serving. They're getting fed. They're, they're having their needs met. I think that's so cool. Because in their service, they're being nourished. They're being cared for. I think that's always the way it is when we give ourselves to say, Lord, I just want to serve you. You know, it, it, it said back in, in chapter 34, verse 33, that, that Josiah was bringing all the people and commanding them to diligently serve the Lord their God. That, that term, diligently serve the Lord, is literally means serve to serve. Serve to serve the Lord. Desire. Make it your, your whole focus is to serve the Lord. And sometimes we think, oh, I can't do that. I got this to take care of. I got that to take care of. I got to do this. I got to do that. But as we live our life just in service to the Lord, I, I believe there's a great nourishing effect. We get fed in that. We get blessed in that. God's just taking care of us in it. Sometimes we think, I can't do it. But I think more so we got to look at it and say, I can't afford not to do this because I want to be just nourished in this as I serve the Lord, everybody in the temple is getting well cared for as they give of themselves to serve the Lord. Verse 17, And the children of Israel who were present kept the Passover at that time, and the feast of unleavened bread for seven days. There had been no Passover kept in Israel like that since the days of Samuel the prophet, and none of the kings of Israel had kept such a Passover as Josiah kept with the priests and the Levites, all Judah and Israel who were present, and the inhabitants of Jerusalem in the 18th year of the reign of Josiah, this Passover was kept. So, an amazing celebration going on. In fact, it's recorded that there hasn't been any Passover like that since the days of Samuel the prophet. I mean, an amazing thing. Now, remember Hezekiah. Hezekiah was, I believe, the great grandfather of Josiah. He also brought about great, you know, reforms and change in the land. And he also reintroduced the Passover. And it said there in, in Second Chronicles chapter 30 that there hadn't been a Passover like that since the days of Solomon. All right? When the kingdom was united. And Hezekiah brought people from the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom all together. But now Josiah is, is even being recognized as this being a Passover even greater than that. Unlike it since the days of Samuel, that's a long time of, of history there. Because Josiah is looking again to carry out all things according to the word of God. He's bringing everything together just as God had commanded them to do. And there's a great offering being given up. And so now this is a great Passover, unlike of any other. Great celebration going on as they celebrate what God has done for them. So 
chapter 35, verse 20. Let's finish this up here. After all this, when Josiah prepared the temple, Necho, king of Egypt, came up to fight against Carchemish by the Euphrates, and Josiah went out against him. But he sent messengers to him, saying, What have I to do with you, king of Judah? I have not come against you this day, but against the house with which I have war, for God commanded me to make haste. Refrain from meddling with God who is with me, lest he destroy you. Nevertheless, Josiah would not turn his face from him, but disguised himself so that he might fight with him, and did not heed the words of Necho from the mouth of God. So he came to fight in the valley of Megiddo. Verse 23. And the archers shot King Josiah. And the king said to his servants, Take me away for I am severely wounded. His servants therefore took him out of that chariot and put him in the second chariot that he had had. And they brought him to Jerusalem. So he died and was buried in one of the tombs of his fathers. And all Judah and Jerusalem mourned for Josiah. Jeremiah, and this is the prophet Jeremiah, who was a contemporary of Josiah. And they were great allies and, and friends and, and worked together here. Jeremiah also lamented for Josiah. And to this day, all the singing men and the singing women speak of Josiah in their lamentations. They made it a custom in Israel. And indeed, they are written in the laments. Now, the rest of the acts of Josiah... And his goodness according to what was written in the law of the Lord. And his deeds from first to last. Indeed they are written in the book of the kings of Israel and Judah. So check this out. Interesting scene that follows now uh, this great celebration of Passover. And it's kind of an unfortunate ending to the life of Josiah. He had a great reign. No doubt about it. That doesn't change anything. He had a great reign. Great devotion to the Lord. But a sad outcome now to his life because here's the here's the thing Nico, king of egypt is marching through israel trying to get to carchemish which is in modern day turkey so they're going through uh going through israel and and josiah sees this he's like what's going on man what's what's the deal what's happening Nico is looking to go up and 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 partner with assyria to go against Babylon. Assyria has been kind of the world dominant power, but they're on the decline. Babylon is on the rise right now. They're gaining strength, gaining momentum. And so Nico is looking to kind of thwart them before they get too strong. And we know that Babylon is eventually going to become, and just a few years, the, the world, you know, leading power and nation there. But Nico comes up. And, and Josiah's like, wait a second, no way. It seems like Josiah's looking to kind of partner with Babylon and thwart Nico from coming against them. And Josiah starts meddling into Pharisees. And Nico even gives a word from the Lord saying, listen, why are you coming up now and, and trying to come against me? Refrain from meddling with God who is with me, lest he destroy you. Here's a pagan king giving godly instruction to Josiah because God is behind all of this. Now, here's a problem that Josiah is getting into. And I think it's one that we can easily get ourselves into. When we find that things are going well, and it has been for Josiah, he's never been more on track with God. He's been walking closely. He's been just following God's word. And it seems apparent that he's thinking now, man, anything he does is just going to be golden. We're tight. Me and the Lord are tight, man. I can basically just go ahead and do what I think needs to get done, and God's going to bless it. Because we've been experiencing such blessing right now. But Josiah failed to inquire of the Lord. Because God was at work. And God was at work in a way that Josiah never thought he could work by speaking through a pagan king. If God can speak through a donkey, well, then he can sure as heck speak through the king of Egypt. 
right? But Josiah's kind of putting God in a box. And he's also over-assuming his bounds and thinking he can just kind of do what he wants now because God's going to bless it. Oftentimes when we're at that place of being very strengthened in the Lord, we have to continue to walk in humility and realize our need for the Lord each and every day. Because oftentimes when things are going really well, we kind of begin to coast a little bit. We sort of put it in cruise control and think, nothing bad can happen now. But it's right that time when we are most strong that the enemy is going to be right there trying to hit us with his arrows, with his flaming darts, as the Ephesians would say, trying to take us out. Josiah meddles into affairs that he shouldn't be in and how we need to be careful that we are seeking the Lord and not stepping into areas that God doesn't want us doing or being. There's a great proverb in Proverbs 26, verse 17 that says this, He who passes by and meddles in a quarrel not his own is like one who takes a dog by the ears. Now, now today, of course, that proverb loses a little bit of, uh, of power because we all have dogs as pets and we, the dogs, uh, you know, you just massage yours. It's like, ah, they love it. You're thinking, how bad can that be? Grabbing a dog by the ears, they don't mind. But in this day, of course, dogs weren't pets. They were just wild dogs. They're roaming around. And if you're going to take a dog by the ears, well, they're going to, ah, they're going to snap at you. They're going to take you out. It's not going to be good. Or they're going to be filled with, you know, rabies or something, and, and you're going to get sick from that. I don't know what's going to happen, but it's not going to be good. That's the idea here. And so it is. When we're stepping into things that we think, oh, I've got this now. God's on my side. And we step into things that we have no business doing. We're going to get affected by that, hurt by that. We need to continually seek the Lord, consult the Lord, inquire of him for what he has for us. Even though you might be in a place where, man, things are smooth sailing. Keep seeking the Lord, inquiring of him. Josiah failed to do that, and he suffered as a result of that. Well, listen, I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up because we're going to wrap it up right there. And next week, guys, we're going to wrap up Second Chronicles, finish up the last chapter, and uh, look at some things there. But just a few points of application here before we move into a time of just worship and just, again, reflecting on these things. First of all, like we were seeing at the beginning of this passage, how we need to be doers of God's word and not just hearers. Because obedience is where the blessing flows. Josiah brings the people together. says, let's take a stand upon these truths and live it out. And they put it into action. Secondly, don't neglect giving thanks for the goodness and the grace of Jesus' sacrifice made for you and the life that he's given you. Thirdly, don't get comfortable in your own strength, your own fruitfulness, where you're at with the Lord. Keep seeking the Lord for what he has for you in each and every situation. So, like I said, we're going to just move into this time of of communion right now because as we've been widely focused on the Passover again I think the, 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 the parallel for that today for the church is communion because it's in communion that we come again to remember that we simply stand through the work that Jesus did for us we have approached to God simply through the work that Jesus did for us it's something we don't deserve we can't earn it it's by his grace Jesus, do this in remembrance of me. Remember, it's because of what I've done for you, Jesus is saying, that you can be saved and have a relationship with God. So we want to remember that today. We want to thank the Lord for all that he's done for us. And so I'm going to have uh, the people come at this time, and they're just going to hand out the emblems of communion. And as you get those, 
uh, you can just go ahead and take them on your own. We're just going to have a time of worship and just reflection on the Lord here. So you go ahead and partake of communion and let's just spend some time thanking the Lord and worshiping Him here this morning.